Welcome to Full Rigor, a Florida true crime podcast. I am Karen Curtis. And last week, I told you about the dance of the feeding tube, the true story about Terry Shivo and the struggle between Terry's parents and her husband who wanted the feeding tube removed. Well, I was contacted by Terry Shivo's brother, Bobby Schindler, who emailed me saying, Ms. Curtis, your report on my sister was rife with inaccuracies and omissions. Apparently, what he and his family believe is that what happened to Terry Schiavo was a crime, not a tragic medical condition like cardiac arrest or a stroke or whatever it was, followed by a 15-year struggle to keep her alive. So I'm going to get him on the phone right now so we can hear his side of his sister, Terry Schiavo's story. So let's find out. Here's Bobby Schindler. Hello. Hi, Bobby. Hi. It's Karen Curtis. How are you? Hi, Karen. Well, welcome, Bobby Schindler. And Bobby, thank you for joining me on Full Rigor. And thank you for reaching out to me about the podcast that I did on your sister last week. It dropped last Monday. So I appreciate getting any kind of feedback. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Are you an older or younger brother? And tell me about your relationship with Terry. Terry and I are 13 months apart. Um, I'm younger uh, by 13 months. Uh, We were born uh, outside of uh, Philadelphia, and that's where we spent our childhood. And we also have a younger sister, Suzanne. But we were extremely close uh, growing up, and my my mother and father uh, had a pretty typical upbringing. Sounds like a cookie-cutter family. Can you talk to me about the day she had her episode? She had some type of uh, cardiac episode. It wasn't a heart attack. In fact, uh, I don't know that they're, to this day, they don't know determine what caused that her heart to go into whatever it, it did it caused her brain injury, but it was not a stroke. And uh, I think during the podcast, he had also uh, referred to Terry as being brain dead, uh, which was also inaccurate. And uh, you referred to her as being in a persistent vegetative state, which which, which is what the court found the con- her condition. But there were several neurologists that went on record with the court that Terry uh, could have been in a minimally conscious state uh, as well. Yeah, I argued that, you know, there was both sides of that. I did present both sides of that. But my question is, since Mm -hmm. the husband took the gynecologist to civil court and sued, it was a med mal case and won like two million bucks because the gynecologist failed to diagnose her amenorrhea and her bulimia, that that was the cause of the cardiac problem. Right. Well, I, that, that's that's kind of my concern, Karen. I, I just wanted you, you presented in your podcast uh, that Terry it was it was as fact that Terry was, was in fact bulimic, and it's just not true. Well, if it's not true, then how did the jury come to its finding that it was true? No, they, it was it was guesswork uh, from the beginning. There was no. Let me let me read to you uh, because it was based on this theory because of Terry's low potassium that that could have been the cause of some type of eating disorder, but there was never any evidence that Terry had bulimia or any eating disorder. In fact, the, her autopsy, the, uh, I, the IME, Richard, I think it's Richard Dogmarkin, pretty much ruled out any, uh, any uh, evidence that Terry had any type of uh, eating disorder. And How is that possible when they come up with $2 million in damages and you're saying it never, it wasn't true? That seems like a was, miscarriage was, of law. law. Was, they were speculating. In fact, the one doctor, Dr. Power, who was also sued by Michael, was actually cleared by the Florida Department of Health later for any wrongdoing in, in treating Perry. So, but, but this was, yes, the jury found that it could have, not, not that she did, 
that. And that's all we had at the time, Karen. Uh, but since that trial in, in 1992, there's been a significant amount of evidence that has surfaced that would point to Michael actually causing Terry's actions that night. And there ever was evidence that she had an eating disorder. And I could read, I have, I have. So wait a minute. So you're saying that Terry was murdered. It's a crime and not some sort of a tragic death due to bulimia. Well, well, you're, you're saying, you're saying it was never proven that Michael did in fact cause Terry's collapse that night. Just like it was never proven she had an eating disorder. However, the evidence points, there's much more uh, information available that would suggest that Michael was what caused Terry's collapse that night than there ever was that she had an eating disorder. In fact, uh, and, and I can go through with that if you like, but Mark Furman wrote a book. It was over 250 pages. The book had nothing to do with the morality or, or if it was right or wrong with what they did to Terry. His investigation was strictly on the night of Terry's collapse, and his findings were that Michael either knew what happened or had something to do, to do with Terry's collapse that night. In what way? And, 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 I, and I, could, I could share other information no, with I, you. No, I just, can yeah. you give me a specific piece of evidence that said that he had something to do with her heart stopping? Well, I, I could tell you that the events that led up to that night and, and, and all the discrepancies. And, I know and they had a fight. Terry's, right, and the way he found Terry is... is, is, is oh, yeah, is he said he cradled her and they found her face down. That, that's right. That Terry and Michael were contemplating divorce, which Terry confessed to me and also her friend Jackie Rose. Then why did she go to her gynecologist to find out why she couldn't get pregnant and why she didn't have a period? All I'm saying, Karen, is if, if you're going to if you're going to share you know the information about Terry's story, you know you omit you omitted a key part of what might have caused Terry's heart. None of that is actually on the record. These are all speculations by Mark Furman and another woman who had another podcast. None of this, there's no, he's never been charged with anything. What are the facts that you're basing it on? Karen, all I'm saying is whether you want to believe that or not, you can look at the evidence and look at what we have that we believe Michael did this. All I'm saying is that you admitted it from your 20-minute podcast. I didn't include it because there were no facts to support it. There's more, Karen, there's much more information about Terry's collapse and Michael having a part in it. Give me some of the facts that support your hypothesis that Michael has something to do with her death. What are the facts? I, 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 just, I just gave you uh, some, some of the facts. Uh, what? That, that they fought? Might- that she was found face down and he said he cradled her? Yes. None of that leads to anything. Well, do me a favor then. Validate your bulimia argument then, because I, I have enough information. $2 million dollar settlement from her gynecologist right. who failed to diagnose her. Karen, can I read you what the autopsy found with Please. the doctor? Would you like me to read that? Sure. Because I think it's, I think it's important information that, that, should be, that should be read Please. about her possible eating disorder. I love facts. Give it to me. Okay, this is from, as I said, and, and just give me a second to read it, and, and you can get, you can look this up. It says, no one, and this is Dr. Fogmartin, uh, no one observed Ms. Shiver taking diet pills, binging and purging, or consuming laxatives, and she apparently never confessed to her family or friends about having an eating disorder. Well, there were friends that testified in the med mal suit that she was bulimic. Let me just finish, and then you can comment. Recent interviews with family members, physicians, and co-workers revealed no additional information supporting the diagnosis of bulimia nervosa, and indeed many other signs of symptoms of bulimia nervosa were not reported to be present. Let me just read this. This is the most important part. This, this speaks right to her low potassium. In addition to the abnormal potassium, many of Mr. Shiver's initial laboratory values were also abnormal. 
Many of her low blood levels may reflect a large fluid bolus, which means the drugs she received during resuscitation. Such anomalies have been described in patients in similar clinical settings. Therefore, these values are unlikely to be clues of the etiology or what's the cause of what happened of Perry's initial insult. Although in the malpractice proceedings, the low protein values were suggested as indicators of malnutrition, this is unlikely not generally characteristic of bulimia nervosa. In a young woman concerned with weight loss, use of diuretics, laxatives, or other potassium-depleting substances are reasonable possibilities, but no evidence of their use exists. So uh, what he basically, in other words, what he said, the low potassium was unlikely to be, be the cause of what caused somebody to have that By the way, you can I'm, have I'm bulimia. You said. can have bulimia and you don't have to take laxatives or Ipecac well, well, or anything, but you can over-exercise. And that's another well, form Perry, of bulimia. I was, I was with Terry almost every day. Terry was not even to exercise, believe me. But So she's 26 you know, and she suddenly collapses? What do you attribute it to? Michael Shivo. That's what I attribute it to. Mark Clemens' book was enough to convince me as an L.A. detective for more than 20 years that there was enough flags that were raised, uh, according to Mark Furman, that really points the finger at, at possibly Michael being the reason that Terry uh, 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 collapsed and had an accident that night. That's, that's what I'm basing it on, and based on the events that led up to her accident that night. But it doesn't uh, so, really make sense because after she collapsed and then she went into whatever you want to call it, a coma or persistent vegetative state or some sort of awareness. And I saw the video. There's She's obviously reacting to her father and laughing. But it's just kind of interesting now to say that he had something to do with it when right after the fact, he and your parents were totally together on this whole thing. And then when the neurologist came back and said that there was no brain activity, he said, we got to end this. Well, I, I, I like to speak to that too. But, but you're right. Initially, we, we had no reason to believe that it was it, Michael might have had something to do with with Terry's collapse or her accident. But as as I said, as as we started to learn things and started connecting the dots, as I said before, it, we we really were concerned about Terry that night uh, uh, that Terry uh, had her her accident. And also, this is something. Just let me also say, you had said. Doctors perform occupational therapy, speech therapy, physical therapy, and they said they had no success. That's also, that's inaccurate, Karen. Uh, during Perry's therapy and rehabilitation, I guess it was about a year after her, when she sustained her injury, uh, there are there are medical files that they're not, and you can access these that said that Perry was actually making improvements. She was starting to speak. In fact, Michael has a diary that, he, that we have in, in our possession where he was noting at Perry's improvement from the rehabilitation that she was receiving. So to say during those first half, one and a half years during all this therapy she was receiving that they had no success, that's just not accurate. She was having some success. Unfortunately, after the malpractice trial, when Michael had a change of heart, he basically abandoned and warehoused her for the next 10 years, and she got no therapy, no rehabilitation. She, he even denied simple range of motion. So Perry was basically... You know, left in a nursing home without any type of care to help her improve what she needed for already severe brain injury. I thought that's what he was going to use, the millions that he got from the medical we malpractice. We did too, <laughs> We did too. But it was less than, what, two months after the malpractice money was created in a, in a trust for Terry to, to, to use for her lifelong rehabilitation therapy. He made his first attempt to end her life by refusing, by instructing nurse nursing home to refuse Terry antibiotics that she had for sepsis, but she 
for, I'm sorry, for a UC infection she had. She would have got asepsis if the nursing home didn't intervene and say, no, Michael, we can't do that. We have to treat. He did it again. He moved it to another nursing home and tried to do it again. It was sometime in 1994. The first time was just a few months after the medical malpractice trial when he testified to the jury that he loved his wife, he cited his wedding vows, and said he wanted to take care of her for the rest of her life. It was just two months later he changed his mind and tried to kill her by refusing antibiotics. Then he moved it to a nursing home and tried to do it again. And then so, he finally just realized he couldn't do it by the, the antibiotics, and he, and he, and he retained uh, George Pelos to petition the court to remove her feeding tube. Did the gynecologist ever determine why she had stopped menstruating and had amenorrhea if it wasn't from an eating disorder? No, I, I, I can't. I don't know. I, I just don't know that answer. Well, that, um, that would be a key fact into refuting the fact that she was bulimic. Well, I mean... You need to I come said, up with another reason why she wasn't having her period. Well, I'm just going by some of the... <laughs> What the autopsy said and what others said about Terry's... Uh, and, and was that a separate autopsy done by the family, or was that the from no, the medical examiner? That, that was that was uh, that was an that was the autopsy, the only the one and only autopsy by the medical examiner. Yes. Well, I fail to see how an autopsy in two thousand and five can determine a cause of her accident in nineteen ninety, or that she had bulimia. Well, look, as I said, Karen. It was speculation. It was guesswork back because we had no idea what caused Terry's collapse. Absolutely none. It was a shock. We felt, I saw Terry the night of her collapse. She was with my family, and there was no sign that there was anything physically wrong with my sister. The last thing she told me, I asked her if she was going to come out with me and my friend, who I was living with at the time. Uh, she often went out with us, and we asked her, and I said, Terry, you going to come out with us tonight? And she said, and she was ironing my pants because they were wrinkled, and she didn't want me to go out with wrinkled pants. And she said, no, I'm going to go home. I'm going to wait for Michael. We've been fighting. I'm going to wait for him to get home. I'm, I'm not in the mood to go out to him. That's essentially what she said. And the next thing I know, I got a call from my dad that something happened to Terry. Go over and see. And, and at the time, as I said, we had no, we, we hadn't, it was just, we were, we were shocked that, that you know, that, that sudden collapse that, that, that happened to my sister that night. So, were there any bruises on her body? Any signs of struggle? No, not, no. There was no. There was no sign. There was any. Yeah, no. The answer could have, the short answer is no. But they said they had. She oh. had low. She had low potassium. I had low potassium. I went into the ER directly from the breakers. I was having dinner. I had low potassium. I was so sick. I thought I was going to die. I was right. the worst. It is horrible. And it wasn't definitely from bulimia with me. It was just I had low potassium. And my friend, who by the way, who was with me asked the ER doctor if they could give me a uh, potassium shot, and they said, no, that would kill her. That's what they use in execution. So that's why I'm so puzzled by your sister, because she had low potassium, but it's potassium chloride that they give to death row inmates to stop their heart. So I'm confused. Well, there's no dispute that Terry's potassium was low when she was, when she was sent to the emergency room that night. But as, it, as the AME said, when he looked at all her, her reports, I mean, her whole, her whole, uh, what do you call it? Her whole blood work. Everything was, was, uh, uh, he didn't, he didn't mention him. He went through and he, and he listed all the other abnormalities of her readings. And he said that was most likely the cause of all the drugs he was receiving in order to restart her heart that night. And which is likely the cause, according to, to this doctor, of why her potassium was also low. I'm, I'm just, I'm just reading to you. You know what the doctor has said. This, this isn't me making her low potassium theory up. This is what he said. Right. So, how would Michael have contributed to that problem? To what? To what problem? To cause her to collapse to her blood work. Well, well, there, 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 again, if you, if you, 
from from my understanding, you can put somebody now. Michael was six six, okay, and he weighed I don't know two hundred and fifty pounds at the time, somewhere between two hundred two hundred and fifty pounds. Terry was petite; she was five, I think five five, uh, and she weighed uh, around one hundred and twenty pounds in nineteen nine time of her accident. So there's a significant difference in, in proportion, obviously, between the two. Uh, my understanding is you can put someone in a chokehold, and you can cut off. You can you can cut off, and that's why they banned the uh, chokeholds with police force in, in, in many of the states, if not all the states, because you can send someone's heart into it in a fib, and it could actually kill them. And I think the most plausible theory of what might have happened that night is Michael somehow cut off the blood flow in a carotid artery to send her heart in some type of affibulation or whatever you would call it that caused her accidents and to cause her to lose oxygen to the brain. I mean, and that would still no evidence. That would not come up on any report, my understanding, that would be taken even even an hour or so after she was admitted to the ER or whenever that was. Where was he when she collapsed or where did he say he was? Well, that, he said he was in bed. But he gives, he gives different accounts of what woke him that night. If he was in bed, how long was it until he found her? Until- we don't know. There's a time discrepancy, too. And, and there's something else that someone put a point out in his book. And I didn't go back and read it for your episode. But I got to tell you, uh, Karen, when there, was a, there was a lot of very disturbing and troubling information that, that Sherman uh, noted in his book. And, and, and there is a time discrepancy from when Terry was found to, to, until Michael made his first call. And who he called when he first found Terry on. You know, Who did he call? Well, he he said he called nine one one, but it was actually he called my father. He said he called my father first, and my father had to tell him to call nine one one. And then my father called me, and we lived in the same apartment complex. So I was there within minutes uh, after he called my father because my dad called me right away. All right. So has any kind? Uh, apparently, when she collapsed, there was no criminal investigation at that time. So any kind of crime scene evidence would be gone. But there's no statute of limitations for murder. So is there an effort to have charges filed against Michael? So yeah, we tried. We were hoping that Mark Summers book would trigger some type of investigation. It did it did compel Jeb Bush to ask the Attorney General at the time to investigate the United Party collapse. There was police there that night, but they did a very superficial investigation of, of what happened that night. There there was really no uh, thorough or, or in depth investigation, unfortunately. And I, and I wish, you know, it's one of those things, if, if I knew now or I didn't know that, I said that right, uh, uh, we would have asked for a, a full investigation of what happened. But unfortunately, there was not. And yeah, I mean, I would I would love for something. In fact, it's, it's interesting. Dr. Thog Martin left, in, I think, in his closing statement, that if there was any new evidence that surfaced that would speak to Terry's collection, like, he would entertain it. I mean, he would he would not, uh, even if it was, when I, I mean, that's even today, he would entertain any new evidence. So unless... New evidence surface. I don't know that we'll, we'll ever be able to, uh, to to compel anyone to do an investigation because the only Michael is the only one that knows what happened at night, and of course Terry is his passion. So he'll be right. he'll be the only one unless somebody knows something that we don't know about. So we're speaking with forward. Bobby Schindler. He is the brother of Terry Shivo, and my question is: so 15 years after she collapsed, she finally succumbed. They took this feeding tube out for like the, what the 19th time, and. Um, she died, and they did an autopsy. How could an autopsy 15 years later shed any light on whether or not she was bulimic in 1990? Well, you, you'd have to ask the IME, but... but How would, could you possibly would, prove well, that? Well, read, read, read the doctor's report, Aaron. I mean, I think it's a, it's a pretty convincing 
I mean, he looked at all of her medical records and, and he came to this conclusion. You have to, you know, it's interesting. The media wanted to believe everything about the autopsy that would, that would support Michael's decision. But the stuff, you know, the information that I'm reading you now and some other information that was also in the autopsy report, for example, that the, that the, uh, neuro, the, the neuropathologist could not rule out that Terry might have been in a minimally conscious state. That was never reported. This information about, you know, the theory or guesswork that said bulimia, that was left out. So there was, there was some very important information about this whole case that the media omitted in the autopsy. They only want to focus whatever validated Michael's decision to remove her feeding tube. Well, according to Thog Martin's autopsy, your sister's brain damage was irreversible and there was no amount of treatment or rehabilitation that could have reversed it. And that was according to him. He is a pathologist in Florida's 6th Judicial District. He performed the autopsy. So I just went by the facts in the case. That's what I went yeah, that, by. That, that's, what, that's, what, that's what really frustrates me, Karen. I mean, obviously, I'm a brother. I've been involved in this from the beginning. And I go online and I read. I, I read Wikipedia and I read so much of being, what's being, being regurgitated in Terry's case. And it's just inaccurate. And, and you know, look, if you, if you want to, if you take Michael's position, that's your choice. I'll, I'll, I'm I'll not taking anyone's position. No, no, I, I covered this case when I was the anchor at Channel 25. It was horrific. I was the health reporter there. Well, and I remember I, it. I, 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 I'm not telling you whether it, I agree or disagree with well, assisted suicide or with euthanasia or abortion or the death penalty. But yes. I don't think anyone has the right to starve someone or, you know, not give them any water. That seems really, really medieval to well, me. I'm so glad, I'm not I'm taking anyone's side. I'm just looking at how could an autopsy from 15 years later determine anything that happened in 1990? I just don't get it. Well, look, 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 what I'm saying, Karen, I said, generally speaking, if you're going to support Michael's position, okay, just just, just, get the, just be accurate in reporting the case. And then i got to be honest with you, Karen, when I listen to your podcast, it, it seems, well, I mean, you really seem to take uh, Michael's position just by, I mean, he presented R. Kaplan as a, as a medical expert. He's an ethicist. There's, there's 41 doctors, medical professionals, 14 of them being neurologists, that all tested, submitted testimony. I I said that in the podcast. You you I I, I met fourteen neurologists. Yes, you, you said that. I did. In the podcast. I did. I, I don't. I'm sorry. Well, if you did, then my apologies. I don't remember hearing that. But I, I think some of the, the testimony, particularly by Doctor Testire, if I'm pronouncing this right, to examine Terry March third, first. I'm sorry, 2005. He was independent. The uh, Department of Family. It was a DCF, the Children and Families. They asked him to investigate, to examine Terry, investigate claims of abuse. And if you read his affidavit, it is one of the most compelling examinations I think there was of my sister and, and his and his evaluation and what he believed. See, here's the problem, Karen. The, the minimally conscious state was not uh, really part of an evaluation. It wasn't a diagnosis back when my sister was being diagnosed uh, when, when, you know, during this case. It's only surfaced, it's only come as a, as a diagnosis more recently. And, and what's even more troubling, uh, Karen, is the PBS diagnosis, and this is all research. This is, this is, look, I, I think things that can be validated. Uh, the PBS diagnosis is, is incorrectly diagnosed and diagnosed to almost 50% of the patients. In other words, 50% of the patients with brain injuries that are believed to have PBS are in fact misdiagnosed because of its, its subjective nature. 
it's all up to the discretion of the doctor making the uh, the, the the examination of the patient. Right. And and it's, and it's a painstakingly slow process. You just can't go into a room and spend a half hour with a patient and decide whether they're in PVS or not. You have to spend days and hours observing that patient, many of which, in Terry's case, did not do that. So uh, I think... Well, and I did refute the the video of your dad, you know, who was talking to her and reminding her... There's even more more compelling video of Terry. But I mean, still, she was laughing with him. She was reacting to him. And it it wasn't edited. You ever see this video where the doctor, it was a neurologist asking her to open her eyes? Yes. And, and, and Terry's response once he asked her to open her eyes? I mean, it's hard to refute. Yeah, I, I'm reading to you my exact... Yeah, I have no, the, I, I I have the script it. in front of me. I said the tape, it made it look like she was thinking and feeling. That's what I said. And then I said 14 specialists came well, out and said yeah. she was not in PVS and not in a coma and had the ability to communicate. So I don't well, understand I, I, where I don't you're, think, yeah. you think I'm taking his side. Well, I, I think there's just a lot omitted. I mean, we didn't even get into Terry's wishes that I, that I think Michael again fabricated. Uh, and, and I think a lot of evidence points to that. In fact, we just exposed, we just we, we just found new evidence uh, where we exposed Michael in, 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 well, in a lie. Well, unfortunately, Bobby, given what you're telling me, I wouldn't have put it in my podcast anyway because I don't really have any factual information. So there was a lot of things in the podcast that you said that, that were actually inaccurate. And that's okay, that go ahead. compelled me to email, email you. What were they? That, that's why I emailed you, because I just wanted to clear some of those things up. That, that's all I'm asking. Look, as I said, it, it, I, I'm, and I'm not speaking to you specifically, but if, if people support Michael's position, fine. Just just get the facts straight and, and understand what, you know, understand. I have my facts straight, and I would not change anything. But, 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 but Karen, I, I point out to you that there are several things that you said that, just, that, that need to be cleared. Like That's what? Needs to, that needs to be uh well, I, I, I thought I gave them to you right in the beginning. The fact that Terry was not brain dead, that, that she was... Uh, I said that. That were well, 14 you, you, specialists you, you, that said she wasn't. I'm, look, I'm, I'm just telling you, the, the things that were said, that the fact that she, she did not make any improvement during the two years of her occupational therapy, that was inaccurate. Well, I looked at the video uh, and I said it looked like she was responding to your dad, so, you know, I... Well, and you, you, also, you also made the, the, the comment, and look, I... It's, it's easy to, to, to look at some of the reports and, and see where you get your information from. But the bill that the Florida legislature passed and the bill that the Congress passed, you said that they were similar. They were completely different, the two bills. The Florida bill that was passed in 2002, I believe, by the Florida legislature gave Governor Bush the one-time authority to reinsert Terry's feeding tube. That's what was found unconstitutional. The 2005 bill passed by Congress was a bill that gave Terry the same due process rights as you give those on death row, which, which was a de novo review of the state's findings. In other words, before you're gonna, you can put someone to death, you wanna make sure that the, um, that the, uh, state court acted properly. And that's what's afforded to everyone on death row. They're afforded a federal review. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what Congress passed. They gave Terry the same due process rights as you would give anybody on death row. Now, if you ask anybody in the public, cause I, this comes up all the time about Congress's, you know, whether you agree with them intervening in Terry's case or not. But but their explanation of what was built, what was passed, they have no idea. They don't realize. And I, and, I, and I think if you pose the question to somebody this way, should a disabled person who is going to be killed have the same rights as those on death row that are going to be killed? Would you afford them the same rights, at least in the courts? And I think... I think most people would say, yes, that's fair. Absolutely. And, and that's what they tried to do for Terry. But 100%. unfortunately, the federal judge would not allow it. 
It's like state-sanctioned murder. Well, it was. It was, Karen. Uh, and it, it said, my parents' only intention was to bring Terry home and care for her. They, they just wanted to take care of their daughter, and I think Michael had enormous conflicts of interest. The fact that he was living with another girl, the fact that he was going to inherit close to a million dollars, and the fact that he lied about Terry's wishes. I mean, it's, it's pretty compelling Michael's motives in this. And, and it's pretty compelling what my parents How do you know he me. lied about her wishes? We, we just uh, found a video. My, my uncle was involved in a serious car accident. He was in a coma. He emerged from the coma to the point where he was taking care of himself. He was going to work every day. He was going to the gym. He walked with a cane. He had a slight limp. Michael claimed, and, and again, te- the wishes that, that Michael claimed Terry made, which surfaced almost a decade after her initial collapse, and never came up prior to the malpractice trial when he was stealing for $20 million. It only came up after the fact when there was money Michael was going to inherit. Michael claimed in a conversation with Terry on a train that Terry shared with him that she, if she was ever in a condition like Michael, she wouldn't want to live this way. And she went on, and Michael went on to describe my uncle's condition, which was basically having to be cared for by others. And he said it was during the time frame of 1984. Okay, I hope you're following me here. I am. We produced a video of my uncle, who was at my sister's wedding, the wedding, Michael and Terry's wedding in 1985 and 84. He was walking in the greeting line, obviously not at all being helped or being sustained only by himself. So Michael's description or Michael's account of my uncle having to be cared for by others, being so disabled that Terry would not want to live like him, was it was fabricated. It was not true because my uncle was self-sustaining. He was living Did on his own. Did she say she didn't want to live him. like him or she didn't want to live like someone who needed help? Yeah, you have to go back and read the testimony. But it was, and I'm paraphrasing, but it was like I would never want to be in my uncle's position having to be cared for in his condition. And well, it was clearly, it was, it, was, it was not true. Because, well, if she meant she didn't want to live in a condition where she had to be well, cared look, for. I, again, you know, you can go back and look at the timeline of how these witches kind of surfaced and, and when they happened and... And uh, and you start looking at, at, at you know so, some of Michael's claims that just not believable. And, and again, you can go back and this is all available. This information you can read it and come to your own conclusion. Okay. Uh, so what do you want to have happen? Where do you want this to go? Well, my you know I'm just look. We we started a nonprofit after Terry's death, and we now have service patient advocates because we have a, a very serious problem in our medical system as far as people having to write to, to certain treatments. So we, so we work as patient advocates and we try to help patients that are being denied treatment in many situations like Terry. Because feeding tubes today are no longer considered basic and ordinary care. They're not considered medical treatment. And because of this redefinition of feeding tubes, it's legal now in 50 states to starve and dehydrate someone to death. People like my sister with brain injuries and others. People with Alzheimer's and, and, and other other types of medically vulnerable. So we work every day in this nonprofit to try and help families that call us in crisis. So that's my life's work. I mean, I'm, and I'm doing more, I'm, and we're trying to create a rehab center in my sister's memory and my sister's name to help people like her, to help mm-hmm. with their brain improvements or brain injury, because we're finding more and more with new research and that's what's available, that the brain has an amazing capability of recovering it just given the time and the treatment they need. I wanted to circle back on the, uh, you, you allege that Michael may have put her in a chokehold that would mm-hmm. have prevented the blood flow to her brain, which is basically a stroke. And then your heart would then stop as well. So when they found her, did they think she had had a stroke or did they think she, her heart stopped? Because you're saying that if you, if you put her in a chokehold, 
the blood supply to her brain would have been blocked, which is a stroke. Uh, well, she, all I, my understanding, you know, she went several minutes without oxygen to the brain. When you when you mentioned stroke on your your program, that is, that is in my recollection. That's the first time I've, I ever heard Terry asking that night referred to or, or her subsequent brain injury referred to that was caused by a stroke. So I, I never medically, I've never heard a doctor ever ever use that that term before. Well, so it's when I, there's I no know. blood supply to the brain. That's what causes the damage. Well, you know, Karen, and so guess, what caused it, her heart stopping or Michael preventing the blood flow? Well, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. We don't know what caused Terry's accident. That well, night. that's the thing. So how do you know it was her heart stopping or, and not a stroke? People, people have been convicted on circumstantial evidence, Karen. You know, I mean, and I think there's enough evidence and there's enough information there's enough signs that I think really paints a, a disturbing picture of what might have happened to Terry. I mean, That's you're alleging that she had blood supply that was stopped going to her brain. Did the doctors say that there was some sort of blockage or a problem that caused her? I, I, I medically, I, I, I can't, I, I can't tell you medically what was going on, and you know, with with my sister as far as her blood flow or heart stopping that night. Uh, and, and, but, but I will tell you this: uh, I, I support Furman's conclusion or from an investigation that Michael either knows what happened or did, or is the reason Terry collapsed that night, had that accident. That, that's, that's what I, 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 I don't, I never saw, I was with my sister probably more than anybody in my family. Uh, that could even include Michael for crying out loud. He worked so much and she worked during the days. Michael worked at, at night and, and Terry and I spent an enormous amount of time together. And I've n- I, there was no evidence, and I never saw any signs of any type of eating disorder, okay? So now, I know they go to great lengths to hide that. I'm just telling you. What do you with, mean with, hide with, that? What? Because, the, you know, you've got the, the decision and the jury verdict. I just can't see why a jury would award that much money, and it's not true. Well, you know, as I said, you, you, have me- you have medical, you have doctors on record that, that have really poked holes in the whole bulimia story. Uh, it's not me saying that. And if you, if, you, if you took the time to read Furman's book, it's called Silent Witness, uh, well, do we know if Mark Furman planted evidence in the OJ case? I mean, come on. Oh, that, come on. <laughs> planted evidence? He wasn't even around in 1990. When yes, he was. He was right in the backyard. He, wasn't he found Terry's the glove. <laughs> I'm not saying Mark Furman planted evidence in Terry Schiavo's case. I'm just saying that he's really not that trustworthy. I never met Mark Furman until after Terry died. And he was very interested in, in what happened to Terry that night. Well, he's so, probably interested in selling books too. So I mean, well, it could be, it's very sensational it, I mean, to say that the you know Michael killed her when there's no evidence. Well, Michael killed her by removing her food and hydration, and she starved a terribly harbar- barbaric and inhumane death. I agree. But he he could have, but he could have been the person that caused her to have the accident that night. And and I, uh, you know, we'll probably never know. Accident? Right? You don't uh, think it was a medical situation? Now it's an accident. I, I, I'm I, look. No, I I think you know Michael. Everything points to Michael, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, again, if you if you go back and and, and you look at it, every everything about that night, everything in front of you, uh, to me anyway, it's, it's it's pretty clear that uh, something troubling happened that night, and, and it had nothing to do with any disorder. Okay. Well, I want to tell you personally, I'm so sorry for your loss, and I know you love Terry with all your heart, and it's just a tragic, tragic story all the way around. A horrific ending to her life and I understand why you would want more answers because there's still a lot of questions yeah. well Karen I want to thank you I mean I, I really do sincerely mean that because when, whenever I try to uh, ask someone to talk to them if, if there are things that are said that I disagree with 
I, I rarely get a call back or, or asked to, to share whatever it is that, that I'm asking them about. So I really appreciate you reaching out and having me on your program. You know, as I said, that, that rarely happens. So well, um, wonderful. I'm happy. No, I want, I wanted you. to hear the whole story because I strive to be accurate, you know, and so sure. I definitely wanted to hear your side of it. And it's, it's an interesting hypothesis. It really is. You don't know what happened that night. And no, no, I, right. guess, I guess you don't, <laughs> we don't know what happened and I don't know that we ever will, but, uh, regardless, what happened after that was even more of a tragedy. Well, I don't know if it's even more of a tragedy, but you know what? What my sister went through for two weeks was something I could never oh. probably extri- describe. Horrible. Well, Bobby Schindler, please get back in touch with me if anything develops in this case. If there's any, you know, potential charges filed against Michael, anything more factual develops, I'd love to hear from you. Well, thank you, Karen. I, I certainly will. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Bye. 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 Well, let me know what you think about all this, these new facts that have come forward. If you think that Michael had anything to do with Terry Schiavo's accident and whether or not he was right in pulling her feeding tube, you can get in touch with me through my Full Rigger Podcast Instagram page and also give me some ideas for future episodes. I appreciate your feedback. That wraps up this episode of Full Rigger. Thanks for listening.